Welcome to the Three Forms Podcast, a joint production of Beaver Dam Christian Reformed Church and Coopersville CRC. Together we are touring our historic Three Forms of Unity, the Belgic Confession, Heidelberg Catechism, and the Canons of Dort. Considering how these old and trusted paths can equip and lead God's people in the midst of today's challenges. So let's start this week's episode. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Pastor Lloyd Hemstreet. And I am Reverend Tyler Wagamaker. And Tyler, we are up to episode nine, Lord's Day nine today. We get to talk about God the Father. We're introduced because we were just in the Apostles' Creed, right. where we were introduced to the Trinity, and we talked a little bit about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the Catechism just naturally says, okay, let's talk about each person. Yep. So yep. let's start and with uh, God the Father. That's that's what we're doing, and uh, it's going to be one of two Lord's Days focusing on God the Father before yes. we uh, continue on through the uh, creed and and go towards God the Son. So uh, that's kind of the introduction, I think, all the introduction we need to take a look at, and so let's jump right into sure. Lord's Day 9. Let's do that. Question 26, only one question and answer here, but it's so rich, there's so much meat here. Oh, there I, is. I, I think we'll have plenty to talk about, that's for sure. Question 26, what do you believe when you say... I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And the answer is that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and everything in them, who still upholds and rules them by his eternal counsel and providence, is my God and Father because of Christ his Son. I trust him so much that I do not doubt he will provide whatever I need for body and soul, and he will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this sad world. He is able to do this because he is almighty God, and he desires to do this because he is a faithful father. There we go. That's the catechism's <laughs> explanation or introduction to God, our heavenly father. And there's, I mean, you get the father aspect, you get the creator, maker of heaven and earth, creator of heaven and earth aspect. So. Uh, each in itself is its is its own fullness, of course. Right. And they put it all in just one question and answer, Lloyd. Right. So like you said, there is a lot to talk about here. Right. Yeah. And and um, you know, it kind of starts and leans into that uh creator aspect, the 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 foundational aspect that God is the one who created all things. And by that we see his his power and we see his uh his authority over all things just by Real, by the the reality of his creating it, and we see that theme over and over again in Scripture too. We do, yes. I mean, throughout the pages of Scripture, you see God in His creating power. He's praised for it. I mean, besides starting out in Genesis, talking about how He created everything, the Psalms and so many other um, aspects of Scripture keep going back to praising God for all of the the creation um, by the Creator, right. Right. As we were uh, looking at this, uh, we noticed that uh, two of the sermons that we have preached on this uh, Lord's Day, yes, yes. Uh, we both had sermons from Psalm 33. And, uh, you know, 
One of the reasons for that would be, if you look down at the catechism, there are, early on, there were uh, texts, uh, proof texts kind of, added to the catechism of saying, hey, where can we go to understand more of these things? And so Psalm 33 is one of those psalms that speaks so fully about God's power in creating the heavens and the earth. Yes. the He's a big God. Uh, you know, a lot of our problems, I think, in the world would would go away if... In, in the, at least in the minds of people, if people understood that we have a big God, even among Christians, there's a lot of anxiety because almost we have a really small God and we make men, mankind, really big in our minds and our lives. And God is just like a really small being almost, even though he's not. And a Psalm like Psalm 33 reminds us that God is really big and we're really small also too. And that has a lot of implications even just on everyday living. Um, besides also it's an avenue in which to praise, because that's how Psalm 33 begins. It says, sing joyfully right. as, as it thinks about God and his uh, creating power is the, the call right away. Just say, let's just praise God for this. Sing joyfully. Even the joy that comes in thinking about God creating everything. Right, right, absolutely. And and I, I, I mean, as the catechism is going to get to in the end of this question, we can have trust in God because he's not some small God. Correct. It is that reality of his, of his sovereignty and, and his power that, that gives us that assurance, that, that bedrock foundation, so that when things go bad in this sad world, as the catechism calls it, mm. and there are a lot of things that can go wrong and a lot of sadness in a fallen world, but we can continue to trust in our Heavenly Father if we understand and get a little grasp of, of how big he is. And one of the ways that he sees that, one of the ways that he displays that is in his creation. Uh, looking at Psalm 33, yes, uh, you that. know, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. Psalm 147, uh, 4 says, he determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Uh, Tyler, how many stars can you name? <laughs> oh, you know, a handful of stars. Very, very limited number of stars compared to how many trillions and trillions and trillions of stars are out there. And especially with the technology we have now. Right. Uh, days, Lloyd, that opens up these, uh, the, the, the heavens, the stars, and we are shown through even even more powerful microscopes, just or excuse me, telescopes. Telescopes. Yeah. Let's let's go expansive <laughs> rather <laughs> right, than really right, really small. Right. Which is also like little little mini universes, by the way. Right. When you do the microscope. The microscope thing. Yeah. Which which in itself is amazing. It's like the the atomic kind of structure is almost like little mini solar systems and universes. And you look up into the heavens and that's really large universes and solar systems. Right. And there is this design, this pattern be, behind it all on how God holds it all together. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, you look up and you can see by the naked eye uh, uh, a few thousand stars that we can't even begin to name. But then, as you said, when you go deeper and deeper into space, you see the stars, you see the planets, you see moons, asteroids, comets, all of this that we understand. And God is the one who created all of this expansive, uh, just colossal sky that we're surrounded by. Yes, yes. It, it, the, the the expanse of it all, light years, beyond our understanding. And and again, Psalm 33 brings it up, the, the by the word of the Lord, 
the heavens were made. His, the power of his word to do that. And the next verse talks about he gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. I mean, it just talks about this creational the power of God's word to create all of this. And it reminds us how small we are and how big God is. And and yet it's just but a word. Right. The power of his word, yep. which is just a reminder, by the way, because when we read God's word, it's the same word. Yes. God's word is powerful. We don't put enough confidence in God's word too often as God's people, even when it comes to evangelism and the preaching, we think we always need to kind of supplement it and do other things to draw people in and and to hold God's people. And it's like, nope, you know, God's word was so powerful, it created everything. I think God's word can also recreate our hearts. So you think Coopersville could go ahead and cancel the fog machines and uh, light show that we had we had ordered? We could you, probably... I would think so. Save yourself some money. You could reinvest that, uh, perhaps. (laughs) I mean, I've other ideas. You could reinvest it even me personally if you want (laughs) to. I think it would be better spent if you like sent me on a really nice vacation. (laughs) Send you on a vacation. Coopersville Christian Reformed Church. <laughs> there so. you go. Thank you, Coopersville. <laughs> there you go. Oh. All right. But it's not just out in the sky that we see God's hand in creation. Uh, we see from verse 7 of Psalm 33, he gathers the waters of the mm-hmm. sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Uh, how deep is the water, Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just saw something on Facebook because everything of profound wisdom is always found on Facebook. Well, yeah, obviously. It is. Uh, everything there is to know is found there. But anyway, it was this really neat kind of graphic that talked about how deep the ocean is. Okay. And it yep. kind of inverted all the really tall things above the above the oceans. Uh, right. Like, you know, the Eiffel Tower and the Himalayas. Uh um, Mount Everest, and it said, you know, what happens if you put that down the other way, and the ocean is so much deeper even than if you averted, let's say, Mount Everest, and you right. put that down, it keeps on going yeah, and it, keeps on going. It's another mile to the to <laughs> the base of the Marion Trench. Isn't that crazy? Mount Everest. That and, is and, so crazy. And, and how much water is there? Well, 71% of the Earth's surface <laughs> is covered in water. And yet, how great and awesome is our God? The deep, he puts them together in a jar, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's no big thing. It's, it's no big thing. It's, it's a jar. Yep, it's a jar full. It's a jar full, you know? <laughs> know. Do you want up. one or two jars to put in supper, you know? Well, <laughs> grab a jar. I know. That's right. <laughs> that's what we see. That's wonderful. And, and it's so intricate on how God has made it. This is the beauty of science. I know sometimes... Uh, the lodges, or it's lodge that complain against Christians, like, oh, you're anti-science. Actually, Christians are those who, in many ways, trumpeted science, because to to revere God and to revere the greatness of it is to know that the more we expand our understanding of of God's creation, the more it's an avenue in which to praise God and to worship Him and to stand in awe of Him. That it's like this is amazing that God made all this and create, and He holds it all together. I know a lot has been written even about how amazing it is that there's life on planet Earth. Like, hundreds of things have to line up um, for a planet to support life. And if you lose even one of those, things would go awry, and you wouldn't have life. 
at all. Um, I know one made the, the observation, observate, not just one, many have made the observation even about the role of, let's say, planet Jupiter, which is a beautiful, beautiful, gigantic planet. It's lovely this time of year. Maybe Coopersville will send you on a on a vacation <laughs> to Jupiter, Tyler. So. It is. It is really gassy. <laughs> and um, uh, uh a, a profound gassiness, I guess. Um, not, not just uh, a gassiness here in this world, but uh, this is this is a giant gassiness um, in Jupiter. But anyway, it, it's so gigantic; its gravity pulls a lot of asteroids away from from Earth's surface, even though it's far away. But it throws off what they will do so that they don't come crashing down into Earth. Which I've seen enough movies about the end of life from giant asteroids coming in and it's really good hollywood movie i'm thankful that hasn't happened that uh, life is still going on thanks be to god because he for instance created jupiter right which is not only beautiful but it also is really practical. Right. Running interference for us in the solar <laughs> system, basically. <laughs> it's, it's, it's going back to football analogies. It's the big blocker out there. That is. So that we that can is. continue moving Even better forward. than the offense and defensive line <laughs> of Michigan go. Wolverine. So <laughs> yeah. our national champions, by the way. They are again. now. They so are now. I, yes. I could do the... the, the the fight song uh, of the Wolverines. We don't now. have time. We okay, got to keep, we'll moving, keep here. moving here. So, so we've talked about the expanse and the the wonder of uh, the sky and of uh, the the seas. There's also, of course, the land. Uh, in uh, we have 57 million square miles of land spread out about different continents and all sorts of regions and and states and counties and. Even different backyards. You know, you mow your backyard. You know the 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 pattern of your backyard. You know where the divots and debts are, and uh, different kinds of weeds are growing. At least in my lawn. <laughs> but you know all this detail, and you could get so focused on that. But if I go over in our street and mowed their backyard, I would be learning all that for the first time. I wouldn't have any idea, and it it just points to how 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 small and intricate all things are. And uh, one of the passages in, in God's Word that talks about this reality is in Matthew 10. Uh, Matthew 10, verses uh, 29 through 31. There, God is talking about how, how are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. And so, again, we've talked about the the... Planets the size of Jupiter that catch asteroids so they don't all crash into Earth, mm-hmm. and then God's power and His creation, and He knows us so well that even He says, "Well, yeah, I take care of the giant asteroids that wipe you out, but I also know the number of hairs on your head." And this is one of the reasons why the evil one has really doubled down against this uh, attacking this idea that God created everything. Because to think about these details, to think about the massiveness of it, is to stand in awe of God, to know that we owe a great creator our worship. But if you convince enough people that there is no God and that it was everything in this universe, however large the universe is, is is just by chance, you know, a random set of Big Bang that just kind of happened— and voila, everything just came into being the way it needed to be. Um, then what you get is 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 a world that we're increasingly living in, where more and more people are saying, "Ah, oh, there's no God, there's no Creator." 
um, who created everything out of nothing. Instead, they they believe that something else just happened out of nothing, which doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, it takes more faith, Lloyd, to believe in a type of a Big Bang theory where there's no creator God. Even if you're a theistic evolutionist, you believe that God still created it and used that process. But for those who are humanistic and said, nope, it's just a, a, a really a randomness. I mean, where does where did even all that again come from? I know it's an apologetic sort of approach, but it takes more faith to believe that there's no God who created than it takes to believe that there is a God, because there's plentiful evidence on the intricacies and the holding together of everything, and life has to be just a certain way or else it won't be life. Um, There's a lot more reason to believe in a creator. Right, right. And what is all that belief and that understanding of uh, uh, knowing our creator God do? Well, it gives us confidence in this world. Mm. Um, you know, think of, of uh, I was thinking of Acts chapter 4. And in Acts chapter 4, you have uh, Peter and John that are starting to get in trouble with the officials as they're now proclaiming that Christ is risen from the dead and, and calling uh, all people to, to repent and believe in him. And so they get their hands slapped by the authorities, and they're released and instructed not to teach anymore in this name. And uh, in in Acts chapter 4, beginning at 23, they go back and report to the other believers. And what do they turn to there? As they uh, lift up their voice in verse 24 and, and pray, they call upon the sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them. Once again, recognizing God as the creator of all things. But in that prayer, they go on and recognize that he's the one who's organized and and providentially placed all things in their purpose and place. And so then in response to that, as they close up their prayer, they ask that God would continue to fill them with their with his spirit and that he would give them boldness, that he would increase their boldness because they recognize you are the one who has created all things you are my heavenly father, and so I can boldly then go ahead and live for you. Hmm. And I like, again, that we call him our heavenly father because he is our father, but the catechism does bring out he is God my father because of Christ his son. Right. So we have that relationship with God, this creator of all things, that he's not some impersonal being, but he is a personal God and he's my father, because that brings that out also here in this um, question and answer and question and answer 26 of the catechism because of Jesus Christ. That's how we have a relationship with God the Father is through Jesus Christ, that he's not my father if I don't have Jesus Christ. Then he, in many ways, he's he's an angry God to who needs to be appeased, and I simply can't because I'm the one who's in rebellion against this great creator who has the right to say, this is how I need to live my life, because he created me. See, creation, of course, has a lot of implications then, because the one who made you is the one who gets to say, this is how life is going to be. This is how your life is going to be. Right, right. Uh, you know, the, this uh this question and answer talks a lot about God as father and uh, having uh, small kids, you know, hmm. uh, one of the things a few of my daughters like to do is go ahead and draw. And so as they're growing up, you they draw different 
uh, different pictures and so forth. And sometimes you can tell, okay, that that stick figures a guy and that stick figures a girl. But <laughs> is this is this picture that you're drawing that you've created? They're is probably this... non-binary, by oh, the way. Uh, uh, no, no, no. Oh, they, they are, are actually boys and girls. They are. Boys that is so girls. good to hear that because that's how God made people, boys and this girls. This is how yes. He made them. But I have to ask my daughter, okay, is this mom and dad or is this Adam and Eve that you are making a picture of? Because you know, <laughs> you, there's not enough detail there to really tell who they're drawing. And what do you do? Well, you ask the creator, what what was their design? What is it that, you ask my daughter, what was her intent? What was she trying to convey? She was the one who created this picture, picture and so it has its purpose and it has her its design that she was trying to communicate. Yes. How much more with our great God in his creation of all things? He has his design, he has his purpose, and it is our responsibility to seek that and and to obey and to live in accordance with the those yes. plans that he's created. And that's why, you know, a lot of our cultural issues now stem from the fact that we as a culture have denied the reality of God being a creator. And so we get to say, well, we get to define marriage, for instance, how we want to. It's a human construct, it's a government construct, or we even get to define gender. Like in many ways, that's utter nonsense, Lloyd, because if there's a God, and here is, and he made it clear how he wants things to be, which he did, be like, okay, we need to align our lives with the way God wanted things to be, because that that's how things function best and how life most flourishes. We should talk a little bit about God the Father some more. You started us into God the Father, too, and because there's so much in Scripture about God the Father. I think about Hosea chapter 11 one of many passages, and that's in the Old Testament, where he starts out and says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. This is God speaking. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. They sacrificed to the Baals, and they burnt incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. And it just keeps on going about the the love and kindness of God, because he's not just some, again, some big impersonal God. He's my father through Jesus Christ. And the catechism brings that up. I I don't doubt that he's going to provide whatever I need in body and soul. He will turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this sad world. Because there is adversity, there is sadness, that's right, the reality. Right. And but, it comes from his hand. And it does come from his hand. We'll get into that even more in the next Lord's Day right. when we talk about the providence of Providence of God, of God. but the, the, it recognizes it, it comes from his hand. Yes. But we can trust him with that hardship, that suffering, that pain, that hurt, because we know him as that faithful father, and we know that he has all the power to accomplish his purposes as well. Trust can be a fragile thing. I know the Catechism talks about trust. I trust him so much that I don't doubt, and then it goes on there. Trust is fragile. You know, a lot of times we're in a political season again, and we're called to trust certain political candidates, saying, trust me, trust me, I'm going to do this, and they promise the moon. But uh, we know from people and from history and from politicians and everything that that trust gets broken. But but in regards to our God, he has a history of not breaking the trust. We can. Tr- I think about when he sent to Deuteronomy 1, he had the spies being sent into the promised land. 
the 12 the 12 spies and then they came back with a report and god had this long history of how in very dramatic ways he had shown to his people trust me trust me and he he kept providing for them and and given an opportunity to again tangibly trust god will you trust me to go into a scary land what did they do lloyd uh well ten of them not so much <laughs> that's right they said we're not going to trust god right and it's like how that would break the heart of God the Father again a father who was who is like Hosea brings out is is helping to teach his children has been raising them up and providing for them and they turn around and they don't trust him and it's they they trust themselves they trust the scariness of the world rather than trusting God the Father and you think how that would break the heart of God after he does so much in, in powerful ways, and yet they still didn't trust him. Uh, but then I'm like, we do that too. So often we let the big scary things of this world distract us and say, oh, I need to take matters into my own hands, or I'm not going to do it God's way, the Creator's way, and I need to do it my way. And we have so much of that weakness in ourselves too, which you think that breaks the heart not just of God, but of my Heavenly Father, mm-hmm. um, that we show that we don't trust Him. Right, right. And yeah, this is where the Catechism closes this, this Lord's Day in this question and answer. We trust Him, and he, we know that He is able to do this because He is Almighty God. Like we talked about, everything we've seen, everything we experience in this world it just shows us a little picture of the actual power that the creator of all these things has. And so we understand he is able to do it because he is almighty God. There's not some challenge that I'm facing that, well, I don't know if God's big enough to handle this. No, we recognize he is the sovereign God, and he is able to do all these things because of that. But not only is he able, it says, secondly, he desires to do this because he is a faithful father. Hmm. You know, wait, there's been a crisis of fatherhood in, in our culture, Western culture for sure. There's been a crisis of people denying the reality of God. I think that plays itself out, Lloyd, when people want a father, they want a God, uh, because that's there's that God void that's been created. And when they deny the true God and and therefore they deny a relationship with him through Jesus Christ as a father, they, they create it in other ways. I mean, you see that people look to government, for instance, to be like a, a daddy for them, to, you know, the Catechism talks about God providing and turning to my good. How many times do people, instead, if they don't believe in God, they, they need to find it another way. So they turn to government to provide for whatever they need for body and soul, and, and they turn to government to turn for my good whatever adversity has sent me in this sad world. And so people are always looking for something, but sadly, they're not going to find it in government. Right, right. How effective is that help that we get from the government? Uh in, in the U.S., we're heading into tax season, and so that, that just gives a small picture of the, the benevolence and grace of our federal uh, government. Yes. Is, yeah. uh, Go through yes. hundreds of, of documents and try and sort it all out. And I, Look at how they're turning it for our good. My prayer in many ways is that people just get so exhausted by the politics and government, even of their own candidates and others, that they say there has to be something more. The answer is yes, there is. God. 
God is something more. Jesus Christ, uh, through him, a relationship with, with God, um, our Father. And that's the something more. And that's where the church offers a positive, deeper, more wonderful, joyful um, response and, uh, and message. That's the gospel, the, right. the hopefulness of it. Right. And government is not a bad thing. It, no. It's an institution created by yes, God. Yes, it is. But it makes a terrible God. <laughs> it, it does, and it's and, not and a good it is, father. It is not a good father, and it's not an ultimate. It is rather to be subservient to our Heavenly Father, and then it can function and restrain sin in this world and engage in its purpose and fulfill its purpose. But we have to remember, God is the one who has all the power, and as our Heavenly Father, we know that He desires to work things together for the good of those who trust and believe in him. And that's where we're going next time. Wonderful. Providence of God, how he's going to be working all these things together for his people. Woohoo! So, but for now, Lord's Day 9, remember, God has all the power, and he's able, and he is our Heavenly Father, and he desires because he loves us in Christ Jesus, his Son. That's where we are for this week, Tyler, and we will see you all again next week. Thanks for joining us on the Three Forms Podcast, a joint ministry of Beaverdam Christian Reformed Church and Coopersville CRC. To contact us, feel free to reach out through our Facebook page, Substack, on YouTube, or email us directly at threeformspodcast at gmail.com. Three Forms Podcast, walking the good and trusted old paths together.